uh, encourage everyone that you know to think big about universities because this is these these should be places where uh, you know learning flourishes and that that are that that regenerate American society and unfortunately often often they do the opposite. There's no reason that that has to be the case. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, the volunteer state's largest conservative news alternative. Today, we are joined by John Saylor with the National Association of Scholars. John's work on the Keeping the Republic project seeks to preserve traditional civics education against the threat of new civics, which replaces real civics with education and vocational training for progressive activism. John holds a BA in politics, philosophy, and economics from King's College and an MA in philosophy and education from Columbia University Teachers College. He is currently working on an MA in liberal arts in St. John's College, Annapolis, and has worked as a teacher and university debate coach, and he has published articles for academic journals and popular outlets. He lives in North Carolina with his wife and daughter, and in his spare time, he likes to cook, read, and play chess. John, welcome to the program. Glad you're here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's get right into it. Talk a little bit about uh, what the National Association of Scholars does in general and uh, the Keeping the Republic project in particular, so our subscribers have some sort of background. So the National Association of Scholars is a membership organization for people in academia and a think tank and watchdog organization that uh, em emphasizes and focuses on issues that arise in higher education from uh, foreign influence on universities to uh, the desecration of the liberal arts to issues of academic freedom. And so that's where my project comes in. My project is primarily focused on, or has been primarily focused on civics education and the way uh, people are generally taught about civics, American history. And as a result, I have spent a lot of time looking at one of the biggest developments in universities over the last 10 years, really, but, but especially over the last two years, which is the massive increase in uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion bureaucracy, which brings up issues that I think touch on almost everything we pay attention to at, at the NAS. So it brings up issues of academic freedom, which DEI departments often uh, flagrantly violate. It brings up issues of curriculum, which are which uh, DEI offices are often very keen on changing in very um, in very radical ways. So what I've found is that uh, without gaining even that much notice, universities have really undergone a transformation, and that's what I've been trying to write about and talk about. Uh, so that people who are concerned can can understand what's going on and so that we can try to to change it for the better. Well, let's talk a little about uh, about the University of Tennessee and other, you know, we have multiple systems inside that umbrella. Um, why did you focus on that and how did you access and compile the information for this recent report? So the University of Tennessee in 2020, uh, that, that is UT, UT Knoxville, the the 
university itself uh, required each academic school and each academic unit to create what's called a diversity action plan. So this is a plan that was supposed to span three years and include policies that address really every aspect of a given department or school. So curriculum, recruitment, faculty, training. And uh, this, was, this was publicly announced. And it's an interesting way to bring about a sort of DEI overhaul at a university, because often what happens is a university, uh, you know, the president's office will produce a diversity strategic plan, and they'll include uh, just a wide variety of measures under this rubric. And we can get into what those measures actually look like, because, uh, you know, it's it's pretty concerning to a lot of people. But what, what um, was interesting about UT Knoxville is that instead of uh, creating this top-down plan, they kind of decided to, to mandate a bottom-up plan. And so I, uh, by way of uh, public information request, obtained all of these plans. Uh, it was, you know, a couple hundred pages worth of bureaucratic documents. And I read through all of them and, and have just pointed out the, the crazy things that have gone on because it provides a really good model for, uh, um, you know, what has taken place at universities across the country. So it's both concerning for people who, um, you know, care about the flagship university in Tennessee, but it's also, it also should be concerning to anyone who cares about academia because what we see is a major incursion of, uh, of ideologically motivated content into the curriculum. We see uh, the establishment of effective political litmus tests and, uh, you know, we see a, a massive expansion of a bureaucracy that uh, is committed to certain ideals that are, I, I would argue, are inimical to a, a true liberal education and free inquiry. So it's hugely uh, important that this information get out to people both within Tennessee and beyond. So it's amazing to me, a couple of quick points before we move to the next question. Number one, liberals are very smart and uh as soon as we identify something like critical race theory or Marxism or communism or whatever it is, they very quickly, you know, you'll take the next word salad that they've come up with to describe the exact same thing so that it's harder to chase down. Uh, recently, we had, uh, unfortunately, and a lot of my friends have, too, and I've read a few articles on this, interestingly enough, had fleas in our house. And apparently they're evolving nationwide like it's a whole thing on the pest control boards I, I coach painting contractors and uh you know leftists are like fleas in these universities and as soon as we say oh well, you can't you can't be teaching uh your students that it's evil to be a certain skin color uh you can't be promoting a communist ideology you can't be censoring free speech they just put a new name on it and they run the the fleas mutate and now a new legislative pesticide has to be developed to hopefully get them and the second point i would say is rhinos uh, both at the 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 government uh, the governor's mansion and both the uh, senate and the house are the one who are completely and totally responsible for this they've let this uh, happen underneath their very noses and they take conservative taxpayer dollars out of working class members hands 
And then they turn these places into indoctrination centers. And it is amazing that they have not been more outspoken and direct about fixing it. Uh, they always do things that grab a quick press release uh, so they can look like they're doing uh, things about them. But then later, they, they, don't, they don't do anything with the actual enforcement part of it. So in your opinion, uh, you know, what should uh, the Tennessee legislature do to put an end to this using of our money? Uh, to do things that are against our value? What have you seen work in other places? So, uh, first of all, your your point about how uh, this is often the result of inaction is a really important one. And when you think about university governance, university of governance, it really comes uh, ultimately from, uh, you know, state government. They are the ones who established board of trustees. They're the ones who put people in place. And so, uh, you, you know, they're the ones who are ultimately responsible for the current president of uh, UT who, who called for these diversity action plans and then who ultimately uh, approved them. And I think one issue in general with uh, uh, higher education policy is that university trustees that that role is not really taken very seriously across the country. Often politicians will, will basically give the role to a friend or as a way to, as a, as a form of political patronage, or maybe, um, you know, they, they owed someone something. And so they say, Hey, why don't you become a university trustee? That's great. Now, wait you know, a minute, get... John, wait a minute. That never happens. Not the first I've ever heard of it. That is a amazingly, uh, amazingly scurrilous um, accusation that happens to be 100% true. Go ahead. Yeah. So if you look at, uh, you know, I just finished a big study on all of the public universities in Arizona. And the public universities of Arizona are governed by the uh, Arizona Board of Regents, which are appoint who are appointed by the governor. The governor has been good on education on a lot of fronts, you know, school choice, for instance. But uh, a lot of these these uh, the the members of the Arizona Board of Trustees they uh, rubber stamp some crazy policy reforms throughout throughout the university system and didn't do anything when the when each of those universities put out their own diversity strategic plans. Uh, but when you're talking about what, what can be done, I mean, there are two categories. The first is uh, kind of stopgap measures, which are needed. And the second would be uh, uh, new ways to build. So the stopgap measures are basically things that need to be addressed now. Uh, um, so some of that is, listen, to the extent that you, can, you, you have a say over personnel, uh, that is administrators. If administrators are enacting policies that are, uh, you know, that, that flagrantly violate academic freedom or that uh, totally contradict your vision for education, you need to take seriously the prospect of finding, finding new people who actually believe in uh, like a serious liberal arts education and who actually, you know, believe in the ideal of free inquiry and think that education shouldn't be something like indoctrination. Uh, but there are also a lot of policies that came out of these plans that are just really bad and, and, and legislatures can't do, do things about them. So, for instance, uh, a lot of schools within the university established a policy of requiring diversity statements uh, of both faculty hires and for promotion and tenure. 
Now, if you look at the rubrics that are used across the country for these so-called diversity statements, a lot of them judge the statements on the basis of whether you assent to a particular set of viewpoints. Most obviously, whether you believe in the value of being race conscious, that is like basically the opposite of colorblindness. And now that that violates like a pretty serious uh a pretty serious principle in academia that that people on both the left and the right believe is valuable and that's that's academic freedom the idea that you shouldn't just tell you should not in, you should not force professors to say certain things or limit them from saying certain things on the basis of political views and in fact the academic freedom alliance which is a, a group of you know uh, 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 elite college professors across the political spectrum just the, this week came out with a statement saying that diversity statements should should be uh, you know eliminated throughout academia. So it's a it's a, a big serious issue, and that's something that that uh, state legislatures need to take into consideration. Now. Uh, you know, the state legislature did pass a, a law that banned what they called political or ideological litmus tests. And uh, the problem with that language is that I don't think that the university considers these statements to be an ideological litmus test, which means that they've, uh, uh, you know, I just checked recently they still require diversity statements for some of their job listings. So if you go on the UT website right now and look at academic job listings, there will be some listings, even in disciplines that have nothing to do with, you know, even in disciplines like engineering or uh, the sciences, nothing to do with, uh, you know, any kind of ideology or any kind of political views. They'll require uh, applicants to submit diversity statements. And that's something that really, you know, uh, uh, legislatures have the ability to take aim at it, and they, they need to take that job really, really seriously, I think. I think they need to come up with two pieces of legislation. One of them is fire from the top, and that is if we find this stuff to be present, if we find enough of it in the organization that you lead or the department that you lead, that they lead, that they fire the person who leads it. Because that's one of the first ways. And the other piece of legislation I think they need to, to have is a 10% reduction legislation. And that is, if you want to keep it, that's great. Every year, we just reduce your funding by 10%. I found money to be about the only thing uh, that anybody seems to care about these days. Uh, and it's amazing how quick, if, if funding is taken away, people change their moral character uh, or their, uh, their true north can be bent ever so slightly uh, with the application of funds. Uh, I'd like to see a lot of that because conservatives who fund, who are the people that fund these woke universities, don't deserve this. And while the legislature allows it continually, I do not know about. Uh, so this is, can, the, I, if I can make a comment on that, you know, this this gets to my other point that you don't want to just create stopgap measures. You also want to build. So it would it would be a violation of academic freedom if you told, uh, you know, the gender studies department that you simply can't say certain things now. That's that's. There are reasons that we have uh, uh, pretty strong inhibitions in, in, in toward uh, outside actors just dictating what can be said. It violates ultimately the First Amendment. But it's absolutely not a violation of the First Amendment to say we don't think that like certain disciplines are core to the mission of the university. And thus, if you want to teach your classes, that's fine. You know, we're not going to fund you to a, to a great extent, but also we want to build something else. And I think that that's, that's what, uh, you know, people need to take seriously, build 
strong, you know, create centers that have uh, a decent, um, decent core curriculum and that are guided by certain core values like the value of the liberal arts and the value of, of academic inquiry and, I, uh, and free academic inquiry. I think that that would be, that would go a really long way in, um, in creating the kind of university that a lot of people, especially in a state like Tennessee want. They shouldn't have to think, oh, um, you know, my only good option is Hillsdale and I can't afford that. No, your state university should be a place where where bright young students want to go. And that's not something that's impossible to do uh, via university policy. Well, there's two, two things I'd throw on that and then we'll go to the next question. Number one, I've got a, a three-year-old and a 10-year-old and when I set up their savings accounts, if they want to go to college, I avoided the ones that were required uh, to go to um, any current universities. Cause like you said, when I look around, um, it was starting back when I was in college 20 some odd years ago, but it, they're indoctrination uh, centers that are not aligned with the values that my wife and I uh, prescribe. I got my MBA and then later uh, went into business. It was a complete waste of time. People reading books to me about things they hadn't done, written by people who hadn't done it. I went out and tried those ideas and damn near went bankrupt trying them. And it's just BS if you're a small business owner. And uh, further, uh, it amazes me, only a university uh, recently, Joe Biden has relieved student debt or is trying to hopefully it will be stopped uh, from people that made irresponsible decisions and put them on the shoulders of people who have never made those. Only a university can provide something so utterly worthless that it indebts someone to the point to where they can't uh, can't pay off the loans and then gives them uh, skill sets that are so unmarketable they can't pay off the debts. And this short-term stopgap that Joe's doing to buy votes uh, still doesn't take care of the larger issue, which is um, I believe that universities are unethically uh, and immorally saddling these kids with debt. I worked in a financial aid institution uh, or in the financial aid office work study, which is, again, like the worst thing you could probably do in college because it's just like, you know, it's babysitting and it doesn't pay very well. And I watched them come in and load these kids up with debt. And I routinely heard them say, Oh, don't worry about it, honey. Just take the money. And if you don't use it, give it back. I'm sure an 18 year old who's never been taught financial literacy will immediately do that. And so it is a vicious cycle. The kids are the ones that end up uh, end up bearing the brunt of this. And, and our culture does as well. Guys, I ain't going to spend a lot of time on this. But I want to thank all of you. Uh, we got some checks this week. Not a bunch, but I'm telling you, every check helps us. When you're when you're as thinly funded as we are. Uh, every check helps. Tennessee Conservative, you can mail those to 1523 East 27th Street if this place hasn't been carried off by a flood. Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. You know, Get your pen and your paper out. Uh, write us an old-fashioned check. I read all the notes. I appreciate it. I respond by mail. And when you give anything, we will send you this Don't California, My Tennessee bumper sticker. This proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker. If you give $50 or more or a $10 recurring donation or more, we will send you this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. This is about to be a vintage tumbler, a collector's item, because we're going to change this up a little bit here soon. We're, we're, we got a, a little, a few more. So how can Tennesseans across uh, the state uh, access the report that you did on uh, UT to learn more about your organization's work, because I, I read over it. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you did great work putting that together. If you're the, the lead person on that, I recognize good work when I see it, uh, even if it's not specifically what I do. And so talk about how people can access that and learn more about your organization's work. 
Yeah, so our website is nas.org. If you uh, take a look at our website, we offer reports and that's where you can find my report. We also uh, publish a, a decent amount of uh, just short writing on topics related to higher education. We publish webinars on uh, uh, interesting topics that I think are often neglected in, in the, the academy right now. So that's all definitely worth looking at. You can, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty avid tweeter. So you can find me at, at John D. Sailor, S-A-I-L-E-R. On, on Twitter, which, um, you know, will give you a pretty steady stream of, uh, you know, it, it exposed university policies that I think uh, need to be changed. But, um, you know, it's a huge issue. And I think that, I think that we, with, you know, when you think about things like student loans uh, and how, how awful that system it, uh, has has gotten and how how really uh, predatory the the learning system has been. It, it it points to a theme that I want to go back to again and again, which is that universities don't have to be terrible. They're pub most of our universities are public universities controlled by the public. They don't have to be terrible, but most of us think that like there are huge huge problems with them, and we really need to uh, take a lot more seriously the, the 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 fact that we can make them something good and something that serves. Uh, you know, serves the American people. Well, I absolutely agree. I appreciate your work. If you ever uh, end up in Tennessee, uh, reach out to me. Let me know about your events. We will let our subscribers know about it. Jason, if you will, uh, in the show notes, uh, please do put a link directly uh, to all this stuff that UT is doing, that the legislature has told them that they shouldn't, that we pay for, even though we don't agree with it. Uh, I will give you the last word. Well, um, yeah, I would say just go read the report. Uh, make sure that if you are if you're in contact with any state policymaker, make sure that they're aware of the report, and uh, you know uh, encourage everyone that you know to think big about universities because this is these these should be places where uh, you know learning flourishes and that that are that that regenerate American society and unfortunately often often they do the opposite. There's no reason that that has to be the case. Well, very good, John. Thank you for your time. Great work. I appreciate. Somebody has to to keep up with what UT's doing because our state legislators certainly aren't uh, at least not recently. So at least somebody's doing it, even if it has to be outside of Tennessee. Thank you for being here. We appreciate everything. Uh, maybe we can get this thing turned around. If you've enjoyed this program, please do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com, hit the subscribe button, and please do look for the Tennessee Conservative anywhere you get your podcasts or social media. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis signing off. <laughs>